lives in daydreams with me, and I don't know who she is, Harry Styles says. But we, the readers of Ulysses, know just who she is. It is Gertie McDowell. First of all, let me just say that this is the first chapter of the book where I didn't religiously use Ulysses annotated alongside it. And it did make my reading experience very different. Instead of consciously looking for footnotes over and over for every reference I didn't understand, I got to notice the more overarching thoughts behind Joyce's narration. Narration, which allegedly is supposed to imitate a rom-com. I, being quite the fan of rom-coms, I will fully admit that, don't really see the comparison translating here. I think it's the misogyny for me. Like, was Joyce even serious writing this chapter? He wrote that Gertie just reads fashion magazines and hangs out with her friends with kids. He even has the audacity to include the phrase, boys will be boys. It's all very stereotypical of what someone looking through the male gaze would imagine a woman. She supposedly gives worlds to be in the privacy of her own familiar chamber, where she gives way to tears due to her pent-up feeling, and she has had experiences where men would not believe in love, which is a woman's birthright. Again comes the view of woman as temptress. Who are men to say no when women are just standing there looking so beautiful, right? Well, in all of this over-sexualization of Gertie on this beach, there are glimpses of who she really is as a person. Here's an excerpt of one of my favorite parts of the chapter where we see into Gertie's childhood and the resilience she had to outlast it. Nay, she had even witnessed in the home circle deeds of violence caused by intemperance and had seen her own father a prey to the fumes of intoxication, forget himself completely. For if there was one thing of all things that Gertie knew, it was the man who lifts his hand to a woman, save in the way of kindness, deserves to be branded as the lowest of the low. Of course Gertie knows this. What I'm surprised about is that the arranger knows this and communicates it to us, the readers. I think I'm so surprised by it because we're getting a glimpse into the female gaze at this point, and I know that because they use the word kindness. They could have used any other word. Knowing the track record of this arranger, he could have said something to sexualize her yet again, but they chose the word kindness, which speaks to character, not physicality. This is more typical of the female gaze. See Pride and Prejudice 2005, for example. Side note. And I think the argument for that is strengthened by the gaze we see through Bloom as he sees her as an object of sexual attraction. And when I say object, I don't just mean in the grammatical sense. I mean he really sees her as an object. When Gertie sees Bloom, she's the saddest face ever. And you could see there was a story behind it, some old-time chivalry. That's what Gertie thinks when she sees the physical Bloom. Bloom, on the other hand, sees her physical body as herself. He doesn't necessarily look beyond the physical signs of this character. He sees, quote, jilted beauty, the alleged defect of her limp, which he's relieved he hadn't seen before. Exhausted, that female has me, he thinks later. He's exhausted from doing, well, we know what he did on the beach. And the chapter ends soon after he says he's exhausted. But I want to know more about Gertie. She wishes she could write poetry in beautiful violet ink if only she were taught and had the time to write poetry. But not everyone lives as we've seen, for example, Stephen live. Gertie lives in Bloom's daydreams, and aspirations for an intellectual future live in Gertie's daydreams. 
I think a Ulysses sequel is in order for just this one character. 